Welcome to The War Room with Mike Blanco. Prepare yourself to get dropped into a new subject each week as a soldier's diligence meets entrepreneurial challenges in today's marketplace. So sit back and enjoy the tactics of The War Room with Michael Blanco. Here's your host. I am excited to be here. I am excited. You can see I got a guest. Uh, some of you may know who, who he is. This is not the Shamanad Madonna Class of 99 reunion planning. Uh, <laughs> but this is going to be something a little bit different, a little more unique. I'm really excited uh, to have Mike Blanco here. I'm going to let him share a little bit about what we're doing. We're also recording this uh, for a podcast, both my podcast and Mike's, which recently launched the War Room podcast, which I will include the link here on Facebook if you guys are listening so you can follow it. Um, If you're listening on the Start Down or you're listening on the War Room, I think we may simulcast this on both uh, podcasts, so you guys are going to hear that there. But a little bit of background, I want to give you guys a little bit of story, uh, and I'm excited that that uh, you know I got to, to meet with Mike today. We've been working together now for, what, about a good... Six months, seven probably months? Bad, but probably about that, yeah, about a good six, seven months, um, and, and I'll let Mike tell a little bit about his story, but um, you know he's transitioning out of the military, uh, a career military service, going into the private sector, uh, really excited about entering in there, looking for a job. Uh, and and you know we started talking about this just kind of casually as friends right. about a year ago probably even yeah and then it was well you know now it's really happening Mike you know what could I do you know he knew I knew some people I said well why don't we really prepare you for this launch um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today but Mike share a little bit about your background your story who you are where you're from uh, and, and introduce yourselves to the the people that don't know you on my Facebook page hey everybody how you doing so my name is Mike Blanco I went to high school with with Mike Ficar here. And uh, we reconnected about uh, a little more than a year ago when I came to him because I had been thinking in the back of my head that uh, maybe it was time for me after a decade of service in the military to transition. And uh, as fate would have it, um, the military uh, came to uh, a place where I needed to, to think about transitioning for medical reasons, right? So thinking about my quality of life afterwards. So Mike and I reconnected and I said, hey, Mike, you know, Man, this is scary, right? Like, I got, I'm got i leaving something that I love, something I've been doing for more than 10 years, um, but I want to keep giving back. I want to do something where even though I'm leaving the military service, I'm giving something back to veterans, right? So what we're trying to do is we're going to document my transition from military service, and this is the first time that anybody on my Facebook, anybody on my Instagram, anybody that's been listening to the War Room podcast has openly heard me say, like, hey... I'm transitioning out of military service. So this is a huge announcement for me um, and coming on the heels of, of the War Room podcast. So what Mike and I have been doing is putting together all those things, my my thoughts on leadership, the things I've done over the past 10 years, the things that have worked for, for organizations, the things that haven't worked, the great leaders I've worked for, the not-so-great leaders I've worked for, right? So we're putting all this together in a book, in a podcast, and at the end of all of this, what we hope to do is leverage a, a glide path for veterans to transition out of military service into the private sector. And really what we want to get after is everybody knows that veterans transition out, right? There's, there's a, a lot of people, a lot of programs in place that help veterans transition out. But what about the corporations, right? Who is helping the corporations better identify these are the veterans you need to look for, these are what they bring to the table, these are the skills beyond just the leadership skills, right? These are the skills, the commitment that they bring to the to the table to help you reach your corporate goals. So that's what me and Mike have been working on. I've been really excited to start yep. doing those things here in the last couple of months. Um, 
So, you know, obviously you're transitioning out. Right. But even your transition into to the military was, was unique. Talk a little bit about how did you decide oh, to even enlist and, and, and really go into that? So, so funny story, if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, what you'll see is a, a lot of pictures of me, like, working out and doing all those things. But what a lot of people don't know about me is I was morbidly obese for a huge part of my life. So at 26, 27 years old, when I decided to transition from the private sector into the military, I weighed, what, 280 pounds, and at five foot eight, you know, you're not winning any marathons at, at <laughs> 280 pounds, <laughs> five foot eight. So before, before a recruiter would even talk to me, because on the heels of September 11th, I walked into a recruitment office, and this guy didn't even lift his head up to look at me. First set words out of his mouth was like, hey, can I help you? So I was like, yeah, I'm looking to enlist. He said, lose 120 pounds and come back later. So I did that, but it took about seven or eight years, right? So I lost all the weight, and it was at that point I had to overcome some medical issues. I had uh, knees and problems like that that were preventing me from going into military service. But at the end of all that, after about a year and a half of hard work, I enlisted in the United States Army and, and was on my way to basic training. So that's that's where my journey in the military began, and now I'm starting that transition from that back into the private sector. So in the military, uh, you you know kind of started off. I know you've held different leadership roles. You right. know what what were the things that you did in the military? Though what were the different jobs you had? The different you know we talked about some of the the, the different adventures. What right. are some of the things you've done that were highlights throughout that career? Oh man! So every every job you have in the military. So one of the, one of the things that the military is really good about doing um, is as soon as you get good at a job. They, they, they kick you out, they kick you out <laughs> and they make room for somebody else. As soon as you, you, you can put your feet up and be like, you know what, I got this. I can do this with my eyes closed all day long. You get a letter in the mail, you get a phone call, like, hey, you're, you're moving on up. So some of the coolest jobs I've had was definitely a platoon leader. Um, as a second lieutenant, I was a platoon leader. I was blessed to be a tank platoon leader. So I got to work on the Abrams M1A2 SEP V2 tank. So I had oh, four wow. tanks under my, con- uh, under my command, about uh, 16 guys, right? And after that, I was a mortar platoon leader, so I got to work with a lot of knuckle-dragging infantry guys who are just like the salt of the earth, uh, Americans. Um, after that, it was I did worked a lot with the logistics. I was a battalion mm. S4, and then I went on to uh, more professional military education schools, MCCC, Pathfinder School, Airborne School, did that thing. And then I was really fortunate and blessed um, after making some backdoor deals to... to Show up to Fort Bragg at the 82nd Airborne Division. Uh, I'm not going to knock any any other divisions in the Army. They they all do wonderful things, but the 82nd Airborne Division is absolutely in my heart um, and arguably probably the center of the Army universe. So I had a great time there where I took command of a reconnaissance uh, troop and I did that for about two years. And currently I'm down at Fort Polk where I'm an observer controller trainer, helping uh, smaller unit tactics uh, platoon elements work on their TTPs before they go off. Uh, for deployment. And just so everyone's clear on this, so so the airborne that means you were actually jumping out of airplanes for right. a living. I was jumping out of airplanes for, for a living. For a living. For a living. <laughs> and it is it is one of the most exhilarating, incredible things that you can ever do. But so a lot of people say, well, oh, you jump out of airplanes. They have this conception where you know I'm jumping from a Cessna from like fifteen thousand feet, and like I get to glide down, and it's peaceful and. There's not a whole lot. Like of it, I, right? did so, the, right. I did the I dive, right? Right, like you did the I dive, right? Exactly. Yeah. No, no. When, when you get when you get ripped out of the door of a C-17 at 1,500 feet, it is it is a life changing event. Oh wow! Um, and the ground comes at you pretty quick. You know, what wow. I mean, it's a uh, 
it's definitely I've I've left a few smoldering craters on on Sicily drop zone in my time. But wow. I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. Um, th- there is that time after you jump out of an airplane and your parachute opens and and there's just a silence and all you hear is just the airplane just moving moving away, the roar of the engine, and you look to your right and your left and there's all these other paratroopers there and you just this this eerie peace hmm. right that you get for about 45 seconds wow. before you realize that the earth is just coming straight for you <laughs> and you have about another 15 or 20 seconds before you you hit the ground that's amazing with a tremendous impact right um but it's kind of an analogy for life right uh 110 there's that fear uh first time i jumped out of an airplane first time anybody jumps out of an airplane right yeah. uh, i don't care if it's your your fifth jump or your, or your 30th jump there, there's always going to be a little a bit a little bit of anxiety there um, so the big thing is just getting through the anxiety, overcoming that fear when you exit the aircraft, enjoying the, the peacefulness that, that is your parachute deployment. Yep. And then, you know, anxiety and fear come back when right before you hit the ground. But once you hit the ground, it's, it's back to mission. You know what I mean? You have to get back to work. And you've done this. Uh, you've been deployed overseas as well. So right. Deployed overseas twice to Afghanistan. Uh, okay. Once with Third Infantry Division, and then again with the Eighty Second Airborne Division. Wow, wow! So have you anywhere else overseas that, nope, that you can no, talk about? No, no, nothing I can talk okay. about. Okay. <laughs> not, 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 not to kill you, but yeah, just um, deployment to Afghanistan. So you know, and, and I think you know one of the things that I've really enjoyed the conversation with you, and you and I have been talking for a while. You also preempted a lot of this. You knew you were going to, you know, right. stay in the military maybe a little bit longer than you expected to go, but you knew you kind of had to prepare for the next stage. So you started doing right. things like getting your MBA. Right. You started to look sort of beyond the military, even though while you were working on, you know, finishing your career strong, growing, how did you know you needed to prepare ahead? You know, most people wait and they say, okay, now I'm out. I'm going to go get my MBA or I'm right. going to go do this. What made you think I need to do this beforehand? Well, because life comes at you fast, right? So you you always have to be prepared. And, and, my big thing is I was my whole life I've never wanted to be content, right? So if I get that itch in the back of my brain where I'm like, man, it, it might be time to start looking at things, I, I proactively look at that. Just in the event that it's not even about something happening, it's about me wanting to to reach my my maximum potential, right? So you have to take proactive steps in in order to do that. And none of us are, are guaranteed anything. You know, I right. thought I would have a 20-year uh, military career. Um, that, that's just not the case. Right. But it was recognizing the fact that, hey, if that doesn't happen, I need to take these steps to make myself successful or in actuality what's making me successful. Mm-hmm. The networking with you, Brian, uh, the podcast, which which have created a, a, a network of people that have reached out to me like, yep. hey, can you come speak here? Can Have you considered doing this? And, and the, the job opportunities that it's provided, right? So... You know, and one of the things you and I have talked about this too, um, and I kid around about high school in the beginning, right? Like, and I know for me and you as well, uh, high school was not necessarily our our moment to shine academically. I was I was not my prime. <laughs> I was not my prime. I think I think uh, what was it? I used to say like those that sit together go to summer school together. Yes, yes, like yes, yes. I mean, yep, and yep. yeah, you and I were on year round school when no one else was. Right, right. right. <laughs> we're, I, I thought we were summer five years. I don't know where everybody else went, but I yeah, was yeah, yeah, yeah. I just I thought we did, we had year round school. That's right, right. I, I did that through most of high school. So I mean, that being said, you know, and and I felt this way a lot. Um, part of it, I really believe, was um, I, I take responsibility for it. You know, I just wasn't right. motivated. Maybe didn't try as well as I could. I think part of it was the system, right? Like there was classes and things that I took and things you had to do um, that really didn't maybe necessarily you know motivate you or would have benefited me long term. So I didn't, I didn't see the proof in the pudding there. 
that being said, I mean, I think there's a mind shift that has to happen for all of us to right. get to that point, right? To start to overcome some of those things. Because you can't right. always say, I only want to do the things I like or, or I only want to do the things 100%. I don't like. You, you know, when did that happen for you? How did you know you had to make that transition? You know, I know there was the enlistment and, and going in the Army. But how did that evolve to that you got to this proactive state that you just spoke about from, you know, some people would look at it and say, well, Mike Blanco in high school probably wasn't going to go anywhere. Right, 100%. I think I was uh, voted most most likely to be convicted. <laughs> if, I if I'm not mistaken, right, I was most, voted most likely to be convicted. Um, so really what it, what it boiled down to was me losing all the weight, right? And and people are like, oh, another weight loss story. Look, it, it, go, it goes beyond all that, right? Um, it, it's losing weight is one thing, but building a mentality where you, you know that you know you have to do certain things that you don't want to do. Um, and I talk about this on the War Room podcast, right? There are all things that none of us, that some of us don't want to do. There's things that we have to do to be successful. So for me, it was just owning those things. Right. It didn't matter how much, how, how bad I sucked at running. It didn't matter how tired or sore or anything else I was. I would sit there and we all do this. We negotiate with ourselves, right? Okay, well, instead of only running five miles, I'm going to run two. Um, and for that, I'm going to do, I'm going to get X's in a reward. No, I wouldn't do that. As a matter of fact, what I would do is I would punish myself for having those weak thoughts. So instead of running five miles, I would run six. And regardless, every time I would negotiate myself, I would remind myself, well, you know what? I am just going to do this anyway. Right. And that is the recipe that I applied to, the, to pretty much the rest of my life. Um, moving, moving forward in the military, the military is filled. It is a piñata of things that we don't want to do, right? right. Uh, 110%. Um, but just owning those things and realizing that I'm going to do this anyway, A, makes them easier and gives you a sense of accomplishment, and B, gives you a sense of accomplishment once you're done with it, which C, frees you up to do those things that you really love to do, yes. right? And those are ultimately the things that are going to make us successful. Like, we all can't just live in a world of, like, I am passionate about everything I do. Even your passion projects require things that you don't want to do in order to make them successful. Yep. Right? So yep. the difference between passion and dedication, we can have that argument all day long. Right. Right? But give me a dedicated person over a passionate person any day. Yeah, it's one of the things, and I, uh, if we didn't do this, I was going to talk about it today. I really wanted to go over on, you know, uh, one of the things I hear all the time, and, and it's getting a little cliche in the entrepreneurial community of like, oh, you have time. Like, didn't you just binge watch this show? Right, or right, didn't you right, just watch right, this right. on Netflix? And it's like, listen... To me, there's plenty of people this weekend that binge watch Stranger Things right. and went to a job Monday morning are going to make a shit ton of money. Right. <laughs> like, I mean, it's it's not, you know, that's not the problem. The problem is when you're complaining, like you say, when you're complaining that you're not losing weight but you're having right. ice cream at night before 100%. bed. Or when you're complaining that you don't have time to do things but you're binge watching Netflix. Right. If you're successful and you're achieving your goals and you're doing what you want in you life, go ahead. Binge watch Stranger Things on the weekends. You don't 100%. have to, you know, you don't have to do that. So a lot of times I think, it's, you know, and you hit the nail on the head, it's not a priority issue or it's not a – a issue of can or can't do. It's an issue of priorities and time management. 100%. And I think if we're all a little bit better at time management, if we're all a little bit better at prioritizing, then we're going to be able to be successful where we want to be, and we're going to be able to see that growth. I think the biggest problem is people don't realize that potential in themselves. No, they don't. And, um, it, and they're not going to realize that potential until they actually just take ownership of their capabilities that they can actually go out and do it and lose every so often, right? Right. Like people have this mentality that they are so afraid to lose, they forget how to win. And what's really sad is that mentality holds people back so that they never win. Yes. 100%. So so how do you teach that to people? You know, I know one of the things that's transitioning is uh, you've been looking at and, and a lot of opportunities, you know, some uh, for private consulting. We've been right. looking at some operational positions that, that have had some interest um, in looking at this. So how do you go into an organization and teach people that? How do you motivate people 
to take that mind shift and take that ownership in that direction. So some people you can't, right? So you got to be, you know, you got to be slow to hire and quick to fire, right? So like yes. people that can't adapt that sort of mentality, they, they may need to be shown the door, right? But broader, the, the more broad look at it is you need to empower people. You need to let them own their own their positions, right? Believe in them and underwrite some, some personal risk or underwrite some risk so that they can make some disciplined initiative decisions, yep. right? And you teach that by showing everybody like, hey, I got your back. As a leader, as a manager, as whatever it is, I have your back. These are what, these are our priorities. These are our goals. These are how we're going to get there. I need you on board to make it happen. Go forth and conquer, and then manage, supervise, and refine moving forward as you can. So you you mentioned, too, that you've been under good leadership and bad leadership. Right. Was that the differentiator for you a lot of times between the good and the bad leaders? So bad leaders, I found, would panic because they either didn't know what was going on or were incompetent. This is where the idea of like toxic leadership comes from, right? Um, and in my experience, toxic leaders tend to be the ones that have no idea what's going on. They get upset. They get angry because what, whatever project is, is, is epically failing, but at the same time, they don't know what that project is really supposed to accomplish in the first place. So what they're looking for is somebody to fix it for them, right? right. And then obviously you have people that are more concerned with their, their appearance, um, how they look professionally, mm. and, and their own career goals uh, than they are with the people underneath them. What they fail to realize is... Um, you cannot get to the top on the broken backs of your subordinates, right? Hmm. Because eventually that ladder, the, the, those, backs, those backs are going to break and you're going to come falling down. Right? So, I mean, obviously in the military, that's a life and death, you know, good and right. bad leadership. Right. You know, whereas different in organizations, it's profit margins and, you know, right. you know right. things like that. Military life and death, how do you, I mean, how does that, how do you deal with being under a bad leader when you're in those situations. So what's incredible about the military and what's not, what's not ununique to other organizations is even if there is a toxic leader, right, there tends to be emergent leaders that will rise up, like even mm. sub subordinate leaderships that will do their absolute best to go ahead and ensure that the mission continues, moves forward, and is successful, um, that the organizational goals are met, and at the same time, uh, we call it an umbrella, protects um, their subordinates from as much toxic leadership or, or silly ideas or, or things that can get people killed as much as possible, right? Now, mm. can you mitigate it 110% or 100%? No, no, you can't. But as emergent leaders come up and as leaders, as subordinate direct leaders, you do the best that you can. So with your own little piece of the world, right? In looking at all that then and understanding leadership, and I think you, you brought up a great point, we see this in in communities and business communities and in businesses, especially when it comes to hiring veterans. And you and I have talked right. a lot about this because of your transition and understanding what role does a veteran play, right? Where, where right. as opposed to um, someone that maybe has been in a in corporate America for the last 12 years, climbing the corporate ladder, doing right. things, uh, was applying for the same job you are, they're going to see them in a different experience class. What are some of the hurdles veterans are, are facing coming out of the military where maybe they're sometimes even more qualified than the people who haven't served in getting hired? And what are some of the obstacles they're hitting with leaderships of companies when applying for these higher level jobs? So it's interesting. We're actually living in a time and place where, where veteran unemployment's at an all-time low, right? But that's not to say that veterans are being leveraged properly or they're not under, underemployed. Hmm. To answer your question, the, the breakdown is communication, right? So right now, it is ex the expectation is that the veteran will take his military experience to the best of his ability and translate that onto a resume. Now, he may not have ever written one. Uh, he may have hired a resume company to, to help him with it. But at the end of the day, it's his responsibility to translate his military experience into corporate speak, right? He then sends that off to a corporation who may or may not have uh, military veterans, pre prior service veterans working in HR, who vet it and say, like, okay, we'll give this guy an interview, right? But the hiring manager, the guy that sits in the room and interviews this guy, 
nine out of ten times doesn't have a military background, mm. right? So you have a veteran who is doing his very best to translate what he's done for the last four, eight, ten, twelve years, whatever case may be, into corporate speak, and you have no one that you have someone that has no understanding of what this guy's been through or how his job actually transfers over, hmm. trying to trying to understand what somebody who put on paper trying to communicate something he really doesn't understand. So you have two people speaking the same language but failing to communicate. Yep. So that is a huge, huge hurdle. And, and one that corporations can mitigate um, by just hiring veterans to train their, their hiring managers or, or HR people to better identify veterans. Like, hey, we can leverage this guy for these things based on his qualifications. And stop just leaving it on the veteran. Yeah. You know, corporations love to say, we hire veterans, we hire veterans, we hire veterans. But are you employing them properly? Are, are you underemploying them? Are you setting them up for success to, at the end of the day, really benefit your company in leveraging them to the best of your ability? Right. And you and I talked about that earlier today, right, about that growth, right? right. Like, like, what's that growth? Like, okay, this is what we want to do for the entry point, but what's the growth? And a lot of right. them are getting it. And I would, I would argue that a lot of people in most, most jobs are not getting that direction, right? I think right. that's why, uh, once again, I, I love the cliche thing of like, oh, you know, people saying, oh, you, you work a nine to five, you don't like that. Yeah, that's great. But like, you know, you go a really big business, you're going to need to hire some nine to fivers. Right, you're gonna and you're going to need to find some people that you can teach and motivate to fall in love with that nine right. to five process. 100%. Right? Because like you, you mentioned too, there's kind of that base level work that needs to be done. And that's okay. That's where some people's talent lies. And I think leadership is being able to identify all those things. I, You know, one of the things I've seen in entrepreneurship is that a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with hiring people because right. they don't understand why that person's not as passionate right, about right. the They're job. But, but wait, like I did my first hire, like shouldn't they be as excited as I am like, about the business? Here. And he's it's like, here. it's like, yeah, like, like doesn't he know he's a part of this amazing startup? And it's like, right. no, man, you hired him for a job. Right. They don't understand that. How how would you in, a, in an organization help with that? Because I think entrepreneurs could benefit the most from your leadership experience because you can create culture within an organization. Right. I think that's so, important. So the difference between, and, and this is true, I don't care if it's a startup, it's a small business, I don't care if it's a military organization, um, building buy-in is critical. Because just like you said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a brand new, I'm an entrepreneur, I, I have my first hire, this guy's just not on board with it. Well, have you talked to him? Have you explained to him why he, has, he, he should be excited? Because what that guy wants and what, what, what everybody wants is to be part of a winning team, right? right? So give them a win. Give them some mentorship. Give them development. Make them excited about that job. Why should I be excited to be here? Because we're building something. Eventually, 10 years from now, 20 years from now, I hope that you're standing side by side with me and we're looking back and we're saying, look at this empire that right. I built, right? If you just hire him, just let him go and be like, hey, man, this is your desk and this is what you're going to do. And this is – I need your TP, your TSP reports every day by 5 o'clock. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, this is, this is my job. I'm working yep. for the man and, and that's it. But you need to encourage a culture of winning and to a certain degree competition and, and greatness. Like what is the end goal? What am I trying – why am – I'm working here in this, in, this, in this firm, whatever it is. What am I trying to build? What are we trying to accomplish? Because people yep. want people want to win and they want to be a part of something bigger than themselves. Yes. I don't care who you are. You know, if you can provide that at whatever size organization you're in, you're going to be in a better spot than if you just hire someone and just let them let them go. Yeah, no, I agree and I think, you know, um, good and bad it brings that out, right? right? And I think that's important. I think you brought up a point earlier about like people are just afraid to challenge people or, or right. afraid to be challenged or sometimes, but if you do that, that's sometimes how you get the greatness that right. that you haven't been able to achieve and you haven't been able to get out. Push them a little bit outside their comfort zone and 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 see how how excited they are to be outside their comfort zone. If you find somebody that's excited to be out there outside their comfort zone that, that desires that extra responsibility, man, you got a rock star. Yeah. And if you got somebody that's a little hesitant or maybe just doesn't want to do it, 
and and I think too, not everyone's made to be an entrepreneur, right? Right, hundred percent. It, it, it's it's not it's not everybody's ability, but some people could be great entrepreneurs or part right. of an organization, growing and and it's being able, I think, to identify and foster that talent. Um, I don't really got a few minutes left, so I, I do want to talk a little bit. We kind of pushed you a little bit out of your comfort zone when we started working together. With, we did with we some did. of the things. I mean, we've you know. Uh, you know, from the podcast to the book, you know, we're going to be creating a course, you know, we change a lot on your social media. Right. Um, you know, tell me a little bit about, you know, how has that process, you know, changed the way people have been seeing you and interacting you? I know you touched on a little bit. And more importantly, how do you feel that it helped prepare you for, for exiting? And how does it make you a little more comfortable for that that time when you get out? Uh, so the, the, the vast majority of the support I've gotten has been extremely positive. It's opened doors for me. Um, even just even just networking and, and, and speaking to people, it's not even about the podcast or the or, or the book, but it's about putting myself out there, right? right? My beliefs, my ideas, to let people see, like, okay, beyond the resume or beyond his his social media, this is this is what Mike thinks, um, and this is the type of person he is. So it, it's been it's been really incredible, and it's, it's helped me to learn how to network, right, and to help foster a smooth transition out. Um, and then once you once you start working that networking and see what it does for you and the people it connects you with and how much easier it can make a transition, it's incredible. A lot of people are just afraid to to move beyond their bubble and, and, and yeah. push themselves outside their comfort zone. Did I ever think a year ago that I'd be writing a book or I'd be working with a high school friend or, or launching a podcast or going to Germany to talk to startup companies and small businesses about leadership? Not a chance, right? But because I pushed myself outside my comfort zone, these opportunities are are just coming to me. Like it's incredible just the amount of emails I get or, or the comments I get or the, the opportunities I get just by putting my views and, and, and my ideas on leadership and, and entrepreneurship and networking, uh, even on the military, just putting it out there. That's awesome. And I know too, one of the things you, you talked about, uh, I know we're doing the Bold Accelerator. Right. We're, uh, you know, it's a program of Brian Cristiano, uh, Bold Worldwide Marketing Agency. Uh, he's the CEO um, he's done amazing things for people yep. like A-Rod, J-Lo, Pepsi. I mean, just, you know, uh, the Mets, really a lot of big corporations started this accelerator to help people like you and I. Right. You know, you invested in that. You invested in yourself. You're investing in an MBA, you know, the work we're doing together. You know, why was that so important, joining something like Bryant's Accelerator and doing your MBA? Why, you know, some people would say, well, you're in the MBA program. Why invest in, a, in another program that's not school or something like that to learn? Why was that important to you and how has it helped you? Because I want to learn from people that are better than me. I want to, I want to learn from people that have already been there, right? Because I don't know what I don't know yet. Mm. And um, I can't remember who said it or, or, or what, what speaker said it. He's like, but, you know, if I would have just sat there and learned from the people around me, that, that were already more successful than I was instead of troubleshooting what they were doing as, as, oh, you don't need to do all that to be successful. You don't need to go to school or do this to be successful. But they weren't nearly as successful as that person that they're trying to troubleshoot, right? right? So if there are avenues that I can explore to help me meet people or be successful or give me ideas that I, didn't, that I, I, that I hadn't had before or show me systems that work or processes that work like Brian's, um, I'm, I'm 100% going to take advantage of that. Like, I want every edge I can. It's just, it's just like in, it's just like in war, man. Like, not. This isn't a fair fight. Right. This is. I'm, I'm, trying, I'm, trying, I'm, trying, I'm trying to scrap it out with whatever tools I got. Yep. You know what I mean? To be successful. So that, that's why I take out all these opportunities um, as they come to me. And like sometimes, like man, I got, I got too much on my plate. Yeah. It's just, and, and we all, we all get into that, right? So you have to prioritize um, 
to make it as efficient as possible, but never turn down a good opportunity. Awesome. Because uh, you don't know you don't know what's going to lead to. Awesome. Love it, man. Well, listen, guys, uh, those of you who are listening on the podcast, appreciate it. Uh, make sure you guys visit on social media. Uh, just search for myself, Mike Blanco, and Mike Ficarra. Uh, thestartdown.com will provide some links to you guys there on the podcast as well, so you can follow us, as well as here on the Facebook Live. We're going to provide you guys some links so that you're able to follow that as well. Uh, you know, really uh, appreciate everybody tuning in. Mike, appreciate your time. Yeah, man, um, thank you for having me. Yeah, and, and I think this is the beginning of the journey. If you guys want to follow Mike and learn about this transition, it's about to get into the heat of it uh the war room podcast search the war room podcast on uh anchor spotify itunes it's everywhere the book's going to be coming out follow mike on social media a lot of great things coming big shout out to ryan and mark on the team as well who put in a bunch of hard work on this project um really appreciate it and guys most importantly it's monday you know i'm not doing it i'm not doing it you know what i found is it's always good you know to have fun and to dance it out <laughs> i was born without rhythm mike so was i but hey where are we are we in my house or huh? we're actually in his office this is my office everybody that comes in here says they don't realize it's my office i asked my I, office. I told you i gave the uber i gave the uber driver an address and we pulled up to this really nice office building i was like i thought i was going to your house All right, guys, I'm out. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Make it a great one. (laughs) You've just been debriefed in the War Room with Michael Blanco. If you've enjoyed this week's meeting, make sure you subscribe to us on your favorite podcasting platform. As always, remember, don't be so afraid to lose that you forget how to win.